Vital Educators podcast is hosted by self-development coach, investor, and renowned educator, Ahmed Saqib. Ahmed will speak to fellow educators, young professionals, ordinary people like you and me about their life choices that allowed them to become successful in their careers. He will also delve deeper into the psychology and their perception of success, the good, bad, and the ugly. For young students, he will discuss techniques to help you with your learning and development. Ahmed is committed to helping you determine what you want to do in life. He will share his own life experiences of self-discovery and self-realization that has led him to launch this venture. So this podcast is for anyone who wants to know more about various paths to becoming successful in any profession or passion. Hi guys, Ahmed here from Vital Educators. So this is part two of Zada's interview of me, where we discuss spirituality, religion and purpose of our existence. I wasn't going to initially release this episode solely because of the issues raised in this podcast, which might be deemed controversial to some of you, but I would like to iterate that the goal of this discussion was to explore our current understandings of our beliefs, accept different perspectives and exercise tolerance. So, enjoy the episode. And I'm going to get a bit philosophical on you now. Please. But I think it's quite, um, it's quite a, a, appreciable to say that we're the only form of life, um, we're the most intelligent form of life in the universe that we've come across. Hmm. I mean, no one, no one, everyone thinks there might be aliens out there, but no one actually can prove it. So, in other words, we're as good as the universe can get at the moment. Hmm. And so what are we going to do about that? We have all this. We are literally the cleverest people, not on earth, not in the Milky Way, but potentially in the entire universe. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And you're going to go from cradle to grave having achieved, well, I don't know, I haven't thought about it yet. It doesn't sound reasonable. Mm. You see what I mean? I'm mm. not talking about you. But no, I, think I you get are, it. In general. Yeah, yeah. In general. So I think it's very important. And I, and I enjoy this mental exercise. But what's, For me, your, what's your conclusion from this exercise? What do you normally get at? What's the answer that you normally reach? I think it's very important that you don't uh, beat yourself up too much about it. In the, in the, but what I mean by that is, if, for example, you just said this space program thing now. If I um, critically analyze your, your thoughts and you have this back and forth and you think, oh, hold up a second, maybe that isn't the best idea for Pakistan. Mm. Maybe I could focus my efforts on something else. Like, I don't know improving the welfare of chickens in English farms, <laughs> something completely different, yeah? Sure, sure. Then, then at least you know that that's fine. You can do that. We're young. We can change our minds about things. And I think mm. that's probably the biggest message I have to people out there is that if you find that either you haven't been doing anything in particular, any objective you've been working towards, or your objective was unreasonable or maybe even wrong or evil, like some people have bad objectives and they, they, they don't realize it's bad until they, they talk to someone about it. Then, um, like a life of crime or whatever, I don't want to be the richest criminal drug dealer out there, <laughs> you know. So, the point is, um, it's okay to change your mind, basically, of course. Um, and as long and it, in fact, it fine tunes your motivations for working and it un- encourages you even more. Um, for example, when I was young, 
I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. First one, when I, I'm talking about when I was in primary school, first I wanted to be a fireman, then I wanted to be an archaeologist, and then a doctor eventually, and I stuck with being a doctor. And that process of fine-tuning, okay, going from okay, some kind of healthcare job into, okay, fine, now I probably want to be an anesthetist, and then within that niche, okay, what do I want to do now? Do I want to further subdivide what the pros and cons of getting deeper and deeper into this field? And then hold up a second, and now I discover animal suffering. And this is a completely different topic now. Mm. Now what do I do? Do I continue down my rabbit hole of, of medicine? Or do I completely change tact and go into animal suffering? And then being able to rationalize why, what the pros and cons. Or maybe I don't know anything about animals, so maybe I won't be very good at that. Let someone else do that. Let me promote it at least. And let someone else do the actual groundwork, you know. Interesting. So, so for for me, I think you're like the reason we're best friends. I guess is because you have a similar mind to mine, and I really appreciate your thought process. But you never once mentioned a space project to me. To be fair, so I know. I'm pretty surprised at that yeah, because uh, I think at some point I, it, it, uh, there's a there's a concept again in Eat That Frog, and there's another book, Seven Principles of Execution. He talks about your wildly important goal. And he says, you need mm. to, every day you wake up, you need to do at least one thing that drives you towards your wildly important goal. And if he, he goes, mm. if you don't have one, you need to find one. So mm. your, your, your idea that you're asking me the question about the space program, I was, I was looking at how can I benefit the world in the most efficient or most dynamic way possible? Um, this is the, mm. this is one of the things that came up to my head. I, I looked at where is, where is, immense amount of talent i asked myself where is immense amount of talent versus literally zero growth in anything yeah and i looked at mm. zero growth in a space program something that i enjoy 100% and um, so i think everything kind of married up this is the reason i i looked at the space program again i mean i'm not i'm not saying that this is the be all end all this is not the this is not the last thing that i will look at and i won't do anything else but the my whole idea of this exercise was for me to realize for you to help me realize how we can essentially benefit the world basically and uh, and with with what we have i still don't know i mean uh, you, i'm so envious i should say i'm not jealous i'm i'm so envious of you in particular because you know what you want to do in a sense because you wake up every morning well, i might like, change my mind yeah, but then that doesn't mean that you're gonna you're gonna bail on what you're doing. You'll still carry mm. on doing what you're doing. You'll still be a doctor. Mm. Who says you can not care about chickens and be a doctor at the same time? <laughs> you know. All right, I've got I've got another question for you, Ahmed. Go on. If if I were to replicate you seven times, <laughs> okay, and you had seven lives simultaneously, okay, what would you what other tasks might you be focused on? What other life objectives might you have? Okay, and uh, climate change is an imminent threat, as you already know. So my uh, my 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 goals and focuses will definitely go there. Um, that quickly pops into my head. The other thing is I think we lack a lot of spirituality. Uh, we lack, mm. uh, apart from my perspective anyway, I think we lack the idea that um, there is, from 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 my perspective, that there is a there is a mind body connection, and the connection is built by a, a, some sort of a spiritual aspect of it all. And I think we we need to explore that more. And I think more work can go into it essentially. Poverty. What do you mean? Can you elaborate? Can you elaborate on that? Because I don't actually understand what you mean. Okay. So um, again, I, I don't want to. I don't want to sound religious at this point. But there are different. Okay, sound religious? If you, if you are religious, no. I, wrong I, with that. But the funny thing is, I'm not religious, so I don't think I'm in any. I'm in any shape or form to be able to say that 
whatever I'm going to say is correct, essentially, from a spiritual sense is because I feel like I, I live by the philosophy that there are three layers of a man. Uh, there's a mind, there's body and there's soul. For mind, you read mm. books, you expand, you d- discuss ideas, you work and your body, you go to the gym and you take care of yourself, you eat right, you stay healthy, you get enough sleep, mm. right? But there's an aspect of spirit that we don't really cater to. And this is where your mental health comes in because all these three, yeah. I believe, are connected from my perspective by doing yoga. Basically, things that men don't do. Women are very good at this, but men think that this is yeah. not macho. I think this is what mm. I, I feel like a hole that needs to be filled. So I'd use one so of my times to use to do that, basically, to do that kind of so work. What, what, what would Ahmed number two exactly be doing? The reason I'm asking you this question is because Obviously, we can't replicate ourselves, but raising, we can influence other people. Yeah. Maybe you can influence them too yeah. to become like this. Yeah, raising awareness of spirituality, raising awareness that there there are certain exercises, just like you do for your mind and just like what you do for your body, you can do the same for your spirit. You can obviously mm. pray or you can uh, become a yogi or there's a guy, I forgot his name. He's uh, He actually became a monk. He was a French guy who became a monk. Yeah. And he did. Uh, he he actually did a TED talk on happiness. Actually, listen to the TED talk. It's mind blowing mm. what he talks about. Uh, so I, I so that's one of the things that I think men don't really tap into that I I want to. I would have. I would use my life doing. Uh, what else? Can I, uh, animal okay, welfare. Before, before, yeah, you, before you carry on, I want to talk a bit more about spirituality because it's something I'm interested in myself. Go on, go on. I, I I find that I since of uh, uh, religion. I, know, I see it more academically now rather than practically, <laughs> um, to, to put it that way. Okay. Um, I, I have lost a lot of spirituality from my life. Okay. I'll be honest with you. Okay. And do you believe that there is a spirit to you? Do you believe that there is a soul inside your body? There, do you think that there is more to you? Look, than long story short, no. No. Long story short, no. Okay. No. And the reason I don't believe that is because I've seen anecdotes in my own life from people who have brain problems. Um, they personality changes and okay. it's quite obvious that hmm. our personality lies in our brain our wishes and desires our behavioral patterns everything we do is in our brain it's quite obvious from hmm. what i've observed hmm. before i observed that i did actually believe in a soul it, w- it was that observation that changed me um but what i do believe in is, is spirituality do i believe i was happier when i was religious i do I, I recognize I was happier. Is that does that make religiosity true? No, not necessarily. Just because something gives you a good a certain feeling doesn't make it uh, inherently correct. Hmm. Because most religions make you feel that way, and most religions are contradictory to one another as well. So my point, the point I'm trying to make is that I found similar level of happiness from what Alex O'Connor or Cosmic Skeptic talks about, which is philosophical consistency. If you believe X, Y, and Z is good, Mm -hmm. then also acting upon X, Y, and Z is good. For example, if you believe that saving the world from climate change is good, and then uh, running to work or cycling to work rather than driving in your car Mm -hmm. is good. You know, making making that world fit your narrative, basically. Mm -hmm. And also a sense of brotherhood. That essentially... replaces that that spirituality that i think i was missing what what would you say about that hmm. 
uh, you made a very good point regarding some if somebody uh, becomes say mentally ill and they start acting differently does that mean that their spirit has actually changed so there's no idea mm. of spirituality and that i appreciate that you you mentioning that because i hadn't really thought about it from that perspective and um, mm. just by speaking to you about this kind of gives me a sort of an idea of uh, what you what you're saying i personally find solace in an idea of um, of a deity and i find solace as well as i find content in the idea of there is a reason i can understand the world there is a reason i'm on this planet okay i understand you know and can i can i stop that's you where my spir- yeah, sure that's where my sp- spirituality oh. comes in basically both of us have obviously the same uh, background which is islam mm-hmm. and i found islam did not explain anything i think i found islam made the world more confusing to me how so uh, for example the inconsistencies within the morality of of the quran made me confused all the time give me an example const- what do you mean that, say, you inconsistencies know, in morality what do you mean for example the idea that okay here's a like a Here's a good understanding within Islam. Mm-hmm. The idea that uh, we should marry women that we're interested in. Okay, that makes sense. We we commit our lives to a woman because we're sexually interested in them. Okay, I can I can I can work with that. Mm-hmm. And the flip side is that you can have sex with a woman that your tribal leader gives you after you've captured her in war. And I was like, oh, hold up a second. That that kind of flies in the face of what I just said in the first sentence. And so that that confuses me and then the idea that the, like Islam is a merciful religion and is beautiful and then also the amir or the leader can execute the prisoners of war as I like, hold up a second all of these things are contradictory in my head and also the idea that God is merciful but also God will burn someone in in hell forever and ever and ever if they dis- decide to reject one verse of the Quran like it doesn't it doesn't sit with them that one verse of the Quran and they admit that it doesn't sit with them so I find that Islam made life philosophically confusing rather than consistent. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So, uh, so you've mentioned three different things. First being the concubine mm. aspect. So let me address that. To be honest with you, mm. I uh, very much agree with you on your uh, from from that perspective. And you and I have gone mm. through back and forth about this. But just because from a, and from and even from a moral perspective you don't agree with it again i don't know this and this is me just trying to add up the information maybe back in the day mm. that was the going practice for the people of those times they accepted it as norm so right now mm. yes in a free world it's completely different for us to even con- comprehend the idea of concubines maybe some of the um, wars that muslims have lost against non-muslims non-muslims have taken concub- muslim concubines so so from my so is, it, is it this do you get spirituality from this kind of stuff like from from uh traditional religion or is it more of like a modern spin on it i'd say I, I'm, I'm more so on a modern spin on it but i also bring religion into it i mean i don't i don't believe that i have left religion I, the, only because mm. uh, only because i uh, the, the the idea comes from what am i doing here my mother always used to say to me every if anybody asks me ahmed what are you going to do what do you, what do you want to be when you grow up if anybody asks you always yeah. tell always tell them i want to be a good muslim say that to them so mm. so and, and mm. I asked myself the question what is being a good muslim and and believe it or not you won't believe mm. it being a good muslim is about being a good human 
and I've realized, and I've realized, if being a good Muslim is about being a good human being, all the other aspects about being a concubine, grabbing a concubine, or looking at different philosophies, that would not make me a good Muslim. Yes, I may not agree with it because it's in the Quran. I have to accept that these things happened. And I accept it as a historical, mm. in its historical context, but I don't mm. necessarily agree with it, if you know what I mean. And would you say that? Because I find that I can get that same spirituality from just the belief in God, just God alone, without having to add religion to it. Elaborate on that. So you're saying that if you just believe in God without believing in the prophets, mm. without believing in the books, you'll be mm. able to achieve that mm. spirituality. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, because humanism comes from an element of trial and error and an element of common sense. To be honest with you, like, I never really, I never really resonated with organized religion anyway. I, I've never, I never mm. really, I never really liked the idea of uh, how can how can you expect whole? So there's about 1.6 billion Muslims in the world, right? How can you expect all of yeah. them to have beards, all of them to wear men? I mean, wear uh, or women to wear veils or uh, cover themselves head to toe? How can you expect them all to behave the same way? Everybody have different personalities. Everybody's built differently. How can they all be exactly the same? You can't have. You know, I remember you mentioned this a few times actually. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I think about this, and I watched a video on YouTube about like New York and Britain in 1905, and it was just like a coloured footage that used to be black and white, mm -hmm. and they all looked the same. You know, everyone wears the same clothes, like it was a suit. That's what three-piece suit. I was, I was reading and, about um, your. Hat. You're right. I was reading about this. I said, where's the aspect of individuality? And uh, people say the true true way you can find God, the true way you mm. can be connected with your spirit is to be alone, mm. is to be secluded, is to be away from everybody else. Because if you are with mm. everyone else, you just became a part of the herd. Actually, you lose your individ individuality. You lose who you actually are because you, you become part of the crowd. If you know what I mean. So, so what is spirituality then, Ahmed? Because for me, spirituality is philosophical consistency and working towards a moral good. For you, what is spirituality? What does it mean? That's a great question. Spirituality for me, I believe personally that there mm. is a layer, just like I have a physical layer and a mental layer. There's a spiritual layer to me. And Meaning I... In essence, yeah, it's a it's a it's a layer okay. of myself. It's a self. It's a part of me. Uh, I was uh, just talking to a guy before you, Nathan. He's a really great dude. I was going to bring him on the podcast actually as well. He's an investor okay. as well. He's talking to me about the idea of self, and he goes, "Whenever you're sitting down and you're," he's reading a book, "Spirit Hacking" by Shaman Durak. That's the book. So I think you'll love it. Okay. He's reading it. And he goes, think of you as a shadow. He goes, you're a shadow. And I said to him, mm. what are you talking about? A shadow? And he goes, you are a shadow. And everything that you're acquiring through life, that's light. Okay. Everything and that you acquire through life is light. It is light. Think of that as light. So what okay. you're doing is that you're in a pit of darkness throughout your life. And by acquiring mm. knowledge, this is the book, this book talks about it. By acquiring knowledge that you you let the light shine through. So you act as a mm. shadow in front of the light because you're standing in front of the light. The more you study, more that light grows and more that darkness, what's the opposite of dissipate? Arc darkness converges or decreases. The whole point is that you can always give a spiritual spin on anything that you do. I have found the more spiritual spins I give like these, not philosophical, spiritual, like, like this guy is talking about, the more it makes me feel content, more it makes me feel, okay, there is more to this life. 
You, because but I still feel like you haven't asked, you haven't answered the question. Okay. So you believe in a soul, mm-hmm. but what is spirituality like? What are you talking about about nourishing your soul? Because I, I give you an example. Of what I think is okay. nourishing my like intellect rather than my soul. Morality is mm-hmm. just being philosophically consistent. If I believe climate change is bad, therefore don't drive a diesel car. For example, I think that adds to my spirituality. If I believe that poverty is bad, then help eliminate poverty. Okay. Yeah, I don't believe in a soul, but I believe that that's good for okay. your spirit. So, so, if that mean, means so, okay, that's a good point. So you're saying categorize what your idea of spirituality is. My yeah, in, idea, in one sentence, in one sentence, in one one sentence is to know yourself, to find out who I am, to go as deep as I possibly can, is to find out all the nooks and crannies all the little aspects of why I do the things that I do, finding out about who I am as a person, finding out why I am the way I am and how I can benefit the world. To me, that's my spirituality. In fact, my business is a, in a way, my way of expressing my spirituality. Hmm. So it's very, I guess it's fairly similar to, yours to what I yeah yeah yeah, yeah right. exactly. very similar very similar mm. very very similar. it's interesting that there's not much difference between someone who believes in a soul and someone who doesn't believe in a soul yeah but the thing is some people are like outright atheists who don't believe in a soul and they, they say that they have this idea of uh, there is no such thing even as a spirit there's no such thing as and 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 they and they go through life by seeing everything is black and white there's no air there's no gray if there are any gray areas that's conflicting to them i mean i was reading about this if you look at why are why are non-spiritual people i wouldn't i wouldn't call, want to call them atheists because i've seen spiritual atheists as well but i've yeah, seen yeah. i've seen non-spiritual people be extremely depressed they cut themselves they hate themselves and they they their view of the world is quite I wouldn't say barbaric, but they, yeah, very cold. That's the word to use. Mm. Absolutely. So mm. why why are the way they are like that? They have they don't have the warmth and the softness. They don't have this feeling uh, of uh, acceptance of the world. They want the world to be either black or white. If you know what I mean, you know what I mean. Maybe I owe maybe I owe more to my religious background than I than I give yeah, it credit. Yeah, true, true. We should we should. I, I, to be honest with you, you know this vocalizing your ideas in a podcast like this is not going to do you any favors. But believe it or not, especially from a religious community, from a religious perspective, because mm. a lot of and just like I, I mentioned, all these non spiritual atheist to you i also would mm. tell you there are non-spiritual religious people too who only believe things are black and white obviously they believe in an mm. idea of spirit they believe in the idea of soul but they don't really pay att- mm. any attention to it and they only pay yeah. attention to what's right and wrong you sh- women should cover themselves or we should always do jihad and we should fight the infidels mm. you know mm. you know I mean? they are very barbaric in their approach and i think that's a personality trait than anything else if if richard dawkin was born as a militant muslim he'll be the head of (laughs) in my opinion you know so i mean i'm not i agree with you there's there's an element of background personality that goes into it no one's born twice you can't judge how they're going to act in different environments I agree. You know? I completely agree. I completely agree. I mean, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a fascinating concept, though, because I never, I don't really ask these questions, especially about spirit, to myself, because I feel like it's such mm. a touchy topic. Um, I don't want to come to a wrong realization. That's what I'm mm. scared of. You know. Mm. Okay, so if I go back to the original question, which is, what would Ahmed number two be doing? Okay. So what, if you can answer that question now, what would you be doing? Exactly? So I've already said so to, to increase the awareness of self. That's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I want people to realize who they are. 
and access their spiritual side by knowing themselves better. I think that's my... And would you say that falls into the category of education again? Yeah, yeah, in a sense, yes. But I think a different kind of spiritual education, not this, not the education yeah. that I'm... Maybe maybe I will do this in, in my lifetime. Who knows? Mm. The mm. third person, obviously, we talked about, I talked about animal welfare. We talked about intensive yeah. farming. I mean, right now, the biggest contributory factor to global warming is intensive farming. More than the industrialization, mm. more than the carbon dioxide, it's actually methane. And you and I, I mean, you mm. actually slightly disagree with me on this because you believe it's carbon dioxide. But if you look, uh, at, no, 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 I don't, I, I, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but okay. they're both contributing essentially. But you do believe that methane is four times more potent at at uh, causing a chain reaction with the ozone layer uh, and depleting the ozone layer than carbon dioxide or any. I mean, causing global warming basically is more potent. So than if you, so if you had one molecule of methane and one molecule of CO two, yeah. then the methane would be more disastrous for yeah. the environment yeah. than yeah. co2 yeah. but also water which obviously yeah. is essential for life you're right you're is right. even water, worse you know so, to vapors yeah, yeah water vapor steam okay. essentially okay, okay yeah so karen animal welfare you're talking yeah, about so animal welfare reducing the amount of intensive farming i mean even let's look at the example i mean you were talking about religion before mm. i was reading about this prophet muhammad uh being a muslim yeah. that i am he was a semi-vegetarian mm. So uh, people are obsessed with consuming meat in our cultures, but they don't mm. realize that how, how much meat actually causes uh, uh, problems just for themselves by causing cancer and cardiovascular mm. problems and all these other issues, uh, diabetes as well. But meat consumption mm. obviously contributes to the environment. That's why it's promoted that you, uh, there's, a, there's a concept called Miana Ravi. Miana Ravi basically means that you, mm. in Urdu, it, uh, in English, it means balance. Her eating everything in is correct small amounts so you don't a over balanced diet. A, a balanced exactly a balanced diet. but prophet uh, muhammad uh, used, used to only eat meat up, i think once a week uh, and all the other times you okay. eat vegetables and lentils so there mm. are loads of aspects that you can explore that you can use religion to kind of modify your life too to be honest with you it doesn't have to be all commandments if you know what i mean yeah i agree i agree let me ask you uh, there's a there's a bit of a paradox in my head mm -hmm. and i want to discuss this with you see what you think Please. so there's an issue of climate change mm -hmm. and the problem with climate change is that let's talk about agriculture that we have these cows and we they fart a lot and they they produce a lot of gases and the, those gases go into the environment and they they are harming the environment essentially mm -hmm. and of all the kilograms of meat on this earth i mean talk about monkeys i'm talking about zebras i'm talking about giraffes no i think 93 percent of it is cow and 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 goats mm -hmm. something crazy like that and okay uh yeah and chicken so livestock is is the majority of the weight of this earth mm -hmm. in terms of the animals that live on it um which is crazy now okay fine so we have this problem and we want to well, people want to kill these animals and eat them right mm -hmm. now i would argue that the less we eat the animals the better which is what we just said mm -hmm. the paradox is that the nicer we treat these animals if we do continue to eat them the worse the outcome is for the climate and the reason being is that if we, assuming that we eat them the same amount, mm -hmm. if we don't reduce our consumption, but we want to give them more space, then they will require more industry to set up. We have to set up bigger factories for them, more, um, how do I say it? Uh, 
actually no, I think I'm I think I'm wrong. I just thought about this out loud actually. It's all right. Just I mean because... I was gonna I was gonna tell you this. I feel like you don't have a paradox. I feel like you have mm-hmm. you I think you have the answer. Whatever you were saying was yeah. was coming to a conclusion that uh, eating animals is just plain wrong. It's it's bad for the environment and it's uh it's causing you harm as a human being. So why eat them? The mm. question you were asking mm. is of space. If these animals yeah. are free to roam around, they'll just die of mm. natural causes anyway. So if they die, yeah, of natu- I agree. If, you're right. If you're they right. die of natural causes, I mean, what's the big deal? I mean, that's nothing to do with human beings. There's a line in Matrix where uh, I can't remember Mister Smith, I think his name is. He says mm. to Morpheus, he says humans are like viruses, and this mm. planet is all the twisters and earthquakes and volcano eruptions is a mechanism. It's a symptomatic r- response to all the bad that we're doing on the planet right mm. now. So, to be mm. honest with you, I, I agree. I mean, I think, uh, and this is what Dan Pena talks about it as well. He, uh, so this guy, th- th- uh, obviously, you don't know who he is. He's he says there's mm. no such thing as global warming. He goes, planet was were, was getting warmer anyway. He goes, planet's always gonna be here, but eventually, what's gonna happen is we're we're we won't be here. We will die. We'll, yeah, we'll yeah. be finished. Basically, so that's the issue. It's about how yeah. we can prolong ourselves. And Elon Musk has his own issues. He's he's like, let's mm. pe- send people to Mars. We, forget yeah, about yeah. Earth. Let's just go colonize Mars, which is I mm. personally feel an absurd idea. I think we should stay here. We are going to be here for a long time. Do you understand his logic? Tell me what the, about his logic. Please. His logic is that if something catastrophic happens in uh, in on this earth mm-hmm. such as a massive volcano wipes out the life on earth mm-hmm. or an asteroid from from space hits and destroys earth mm-hmm. then what i talked about right at the beginning the fact that we as humans are like the pinnacle of 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 intelligence in the in the known universe as we know it mm-hmm. then we should have a backup plan because human beings he has a philosophy that humans existing is a good thing there's a net, hopefully, a net good from our existence, not a net bad from our existence. And the universe will benefit from us being around longer. We're the storytellers of the universe. We can make markings in the earth. We can make markings in the universe to show what happened in the universe. We could explain if any other life happens to, to come around in the future, or maybe it's already existing and it doesn't know that we exist. When it comes across us, we can tell the stories. We can exchange, exchange this information and be of good of some sort, hopefully, uh, to that that alien uh, species. So if we have a backup plan on Mars, it doesn't matter how hard it is to get there, as long as it's reasonably acceptable, the, the limits we have to go through. Then, and, and, and the way he's proposed it is that he makes out like it's fairly straightforward uh, within a hundred years or so. Then at least if an asteroid destroys Earth, the universe has a storyteller that remains. And that's his kind of philosophy on it. But do you think it's worth spending billions about on? With yeah, the, when I there are so. more pressing matters on this planet that we need to address, and um, yeah, I think I think it's worth it. I, I don't think Mars necessarily. I think even the Moon would have done, and not even a million people, maybe just two or three people the on moon the Moon doesn't really have at, an atmosphere. At, yeah, no, but the point is, if you just keep two or three people on the Moon at a time, then maybe that would have been fair enough. But um, as, as at least as humans are, there as a backup plan, it's a bit of like a. 
it's a bit of a one in a gazillion chance thing it's such a that weird we're talking way about happening. It's such a exactly it's such a weird way of thinking. Yes, Earth can get hit by an asteroid, but so can Mars. And uh, so right now, our Sun is a main sequence star, mm. and it's going to become a red giant. Which means red giant means that once all the all the hydrogen runs out, which is the main fuel mm. that generates all the heat. Um, on the sun, when it once it runs out, it's going to increase in size. It's going to become a giant. He actually addresses this issue. He actually addresses this issue, and he says, "Look, the universe itself will come to a halt eventually. Like the energy of the universe will just fizzle out, and that is such a ridiculously long amount of time that why bother thinking about that level of thinking? He's only talking about a hundred, two hundred years, rather than a quadrillion years. It sounds more reasonable to talk about the next." couple hundred years would you agree so you think in couple hundred years an asteroid can hit our earth is that what you're saying well you are of course yeah that's in a couple of years in terms of like five ten years an asteroid could hit earth and destroy it we don't know what's out there and these things travel pretty fast oh so you're saying this is uh, okay random occurrence basically do you know well, how, yeah, yeah, yeah. how we are safe from asteroids though right you do you know how that happens this is probably no this is probably why no not really not because the atmosphere you know this is probably why i believe in a, in in a god probably why i don't know um i look at these things about the uh, uh, jupiter and it and yeah it actually uh it, it my brain is like what well, first of all you have the magnetic field of the of the earth which is deflecting mm. all the charged particles all the cosmic rays all the harmful particles like the alpha particles and the beta particles that are coming towards the earth is deflecting those away so and there's obviously a thick atmosphere which actually protects us then there is proper um there's uh, loads of air which we can breathe and yeah. we can, we're able to process this immense amount of water here um the, the, the climate is correct for life to perish and peril um, mm, as much mm. as possible and then like you said jupiter any of the bigger uh, asteroids that come away they actually fall into jupiter's gravity and they literally some mm. of them they've seen they have actually become part of jupiter's moons and they become part of the Jupiter's asteroid belts, and they, crazy. they become of become part of Kuiper belts. In fact, so so for me again, so for finding a solar system that has all these different aspects completely rightly mapped out properly uh, to have these perfect conditions is proper difficult, man. It's not easy task to embark on. No, I, I don't I don't disagree with you. But this um, is probably why I believe I, in a god. It's still possible. It's still possible for an asteroid to hit us. 100%. And it's not it's not just necessarily about asteroids, even climate change itself, which is yeah. Yeah, going to happen. Yeah. But let's, let's, let's destroy this planet and then go colonize another one. <laughs> love it. Love it. But the, but the idea is that that planet has no life on it. You know, I disagree with can... him. You know, I disagree with his um, his philosophy or his choice of picking Mars. I personally think Venus would have been a better option than Mars. And do you know why that is? No. Because Venus, uh, first of all, Venus is the hottest planet in the solar system right now, with a temperature mm. going up to four hundred and fifty degrees. So it's it's on okay. the surface, on the surface, it's super hot. But once you go into the clouds, the temperature is around thirty to forty degrees, which is basically sauna, mm. but in um, uh, but in the atmosphere. So there is a mm. concept if you can explore where you can. We, we can take blimps and you can put blimps in the atmosphere and they can stay there for whatever amount of time. You can literally have a functioning life 
living in that sort of climate because it's absolutely fine mm. there's nothing wrong with it and venus is as big as the earth similar sizes um venus mm. uh, also have a magnetic field like earth mars has it as well Men- venus has a thicker ad- atmosphere than earth there's loads of aspects mm. of venus which are similar to earth mars is smaller uh, its gravity is mm. lower uh, it has a very thin layer of atmosphere it's extremely cold um there is barely mm. any air there's there's carbon dioxide in the rocks that we can obviously but we have to turn form the whole planet and that in itself I'm sure you weren't born on Venus. You know everything about Venus. <laughs> Obviously, remember I said I'm a man of science, so I studied all these things, yeah. man. So, I, so I've heard arguments back and forth about the idea. By the way, mm. another thing came to my head while we were talking about about the concept of God and spirituality. Do you know a guy called no. Sylvester Gates? No, never. What did you? So this guy is a professor in uh, MIT, I think. And oh, you mentioned this guy. Yeah, I, yeah, I, and he he himself says we are. He's almost certain, ninety nine percent certain, that we're living in a simulation. So mm, if he yeah, says yeah. if he says something like that, if a professor of uh, Elon Musk actually believes the same thing. Yeah, exactly. He thinks there's a probability that we are we're, we're part of a simulation. If if I think it's nonsense, but. But if you, dude, if you, he says the maths are indicative of it. Maths tell us that this is what's happening. Think about it this mm-hmm. way. You know just how fish is living in water. Its existence is in water. It thinks mm. there is nothing beyond water. To a, to a normal fish, to a goldfish, there's no such thing as beyond water. Right? Do you, do you, do you know what I'm trying to say? Uh, until it gets like, until it gets splashed out of the water yeah and unless yeah you're right you're right in this so, so yeah. let's say in this instance it does not get splashed out of the water it stays in water, fine. right now imagine we are like the fish and this air this axis that we're living in is mm. our water the point i'm trying to make is that this is what einstein was talking about about gravitational waves he says we cannot see these waves but we are matter that are bending these gravitational waves around us because we are matter. Okay. So, the, so the whole point I'm trying to make is that, or obviously that's been proven now by the LIGO experiment, but the whole point I'm trying to mm. make is that there could be, there, or there definitely must be more than three dimensions. Just like after water, there's air and we can see the fish from the outside. Somebody from the outside can could be looking in on, in on us, but we don't know. And that's where the simulation thing kind of fits into that whole philosophy. So, there's a concept in philosophy that anyone can can um say any any hypothesis so you can you can make any any claim up that the moon is made of cheese but <laughs> the question is do you have evidence to support it and it's important that we we just dis- i mean it's not it's fine to discuss abstract concepts like the multiverse is an abstract concept we have absolutely no evidence to support it mm-hmm. but building mathematical models around it is fine right because then maybe one day we'll have evidence in the future that support or, or reject the yep, conclusion. But, but, but the I feel that theories, simulation theory is not one of those useful theories. Mm. But but theories but theories are based on maths. If maths conclude that something is possible, like they said, look, um, black holes are possible. And then they are, and first the maths said the black mm. holes are possible. And they're like, no, they're not. And a scientist, mm. scientist said, look, we can't see them. But now that we can, now, obviously, we yeah. came up with a picture of black. Everybody mm. believes that they exist. So the whole point is, where you when you say evidence, what do you categorize as evidence? Because I believe maths is an indicative evidence. So for me, if something mathematically adds up, it is an evidence for something to exist. So if some mathematically... I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah. 
but I'm no mathematician, so I wouldn't even be able to understand the evidence. I just, it just, just from a layman's perspective, it sounds like nonsense to me. But who am I? To, who am I at the end of the you're day? A, you're a, a layman. That's what you've literally said. You are yeah. a, so to a layman. To a layman, it wouldn't sound nonsense. It would sound nonsense because they won't. They're unable to. Un- they are, as in me as well are mm. they're under, um, unable to understand the years of dedication and time that it's taken to come up with those mathematical equations. There's a mathematical equation yeah. that can that can rightly or very close to estimate the planets on which life exists on called the drake equation so uh, so Mm. it's completely a mathematical concept but the concept is extremely popular because we can use the concept to say okay if there are 120 billion stars in just our galaxies galaxy and there are billions or trillions of galaxies in this universe alone as far as the eye can see and this universe is always expanding obviously um a logical mind would say okay there must be life on somewhere in this universe but but Mm. drake equation says let's quantify that let's put that in a mathematical format so we can prove that there is life on earth I mean, there's life beyond Earth. So what mm. I'm saying is that maths allow us to hypothesize in a correct format. But I will all also say on the contrary, believe it or not, I'm arguing with myself here. Well, how funny is that? Yeah, quite, uh, on, yeah. on the contrary, I would, I would come around and say maths also add up about white holes. You know, white holes are, or wormholes. So, so mm. there's no such thing. There's no evidence for that even existing either. So, logical mm. mind is logical mind. But you look at the maths, and the, if the maths is indicative of something, most likely, theoretically, and also practically, it can exist. So, I never shut my mind on that whatsoever. I always keep my mind open to that. Those any maybe it's like, a bias of mine. Maybe I just don't want to be a simulated object you don't want it to be yeah, okay you don't want okay fair enough, fair enough. maybe that maybe but, but when, see i don't like the word simulated i don't like simulated kind of implies that it's already predetermined um and uh it's I, I like to think it's like sims where the universe has been designed and you've been given a matter of choice to do what you can and that's why my idea of purpose comes in that's why i think where my mm. idea of adventure comes in that you're here for a final because what are we reality wise what are we we're literally particles we're literally like mm. assembly of different particles i'm looking at my hand right now we are we are just a physical beings but the only thing that sets mm. us apart from anything else is our brain and even that gets changed every seven years because our cells get replaced so we are never mm. who we really are so who the hell are we so I know it's becoming extremely philosophical right now, but like, <laughs> yeah, you just suffered an existential crisis at one and a half hours. I already had so many problems that you bringing all this <laughs> stupid shit to my life. You know, this, this is it's like a, a a branch of philosophy. It's called, um, I think it's called materialism, where the idea is that we are uh, literally and only exclusively the result of. Atoms bumping together. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Our thoughts I mean, are bumps of atoms. Our beliefs are bumps of atoms. Our philosophies are bumps of atoms. Our desires and wishes and fears are bumps of atoms. <laughs> and the question is, what do you do with that belief? Do you become a nihilist? Meaning, do you eliminate purpose and rationality? Not rationality, but like um, uh, deeper meaning from the universe? Or do you write deeper meaning in it, despite knowing that... That I guess you can call. It. I I would call it a fact, mm. despite knowing that fact. Uh, and I think that deeper meaning can still be written into our daily philosophy because you can say, okay, fine. Do I think? And this is an abstract thought, but do I think the universe would be improved if if 
there's less suffering, for example. Mm. And I'd say, yeah, the universe is, if you were to quiz every form of life in some way or another, mm. and you'd ask them to rate the universe, mm. and if you give them a good day, they'll rate the universe as a better place. And that's the only metric we can really go by. We can't be, uh, whether the, the rock on Mars cares that the ant is being squashed by a lion, obviously the rock doesn't care, but the ant cares. Mm. And so we should judge the universe by what can actually give an opinion and animals and creatures of life have opinions. And therefore, I think we should focus, despite what we fundamentally believe, whether we're in a simulation or not, or whether the, an asteroid will destroy Earth or not, or whether all these kind of weird and wonderful philosophies are happening in the back of our minds. What is true is that suffering needs to be eliminated in one way or the other. Mm. And if you want to do that through your space program, if you want to do that by adding spirituality or education into the world, and that's a beautiful thing. But don't you think that we were the ones who created the suffering in the first place? No, not necessarily. We didn't. Suffering existed way before humans existed. Animals die in horrific ways. You've seen on the internet well, the way animals sometimes, the way they're born deformed. Hmm. What was that? I said I thought I thought you were referring to natural disasters. Yeah, but even natural disasters. I mean, a birth defect in a deer, where the where the, the 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 horn turns in on itself and pierces the eye. I've seen that in a picture. That wasn't a human thing. That that was happened from that that deer's genetics. But supposedly that deer, that would have happened. But supposedly that deer is not in pain anymore because he's learned to live with that pain. So he's not in constant agony. How do you know? Because presumably he'll be or a deer would be die off pain because you can die such a if you have a chronic pain for such a long time, especially something piercing through your eye, dude, wouldn't you die mm. for a off- no 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 pain pain doesn't cause death or it causes some sort of expression you just, you just it causes some sort of an expression though that if it's not even if it's just casually strolling eating food and sleeping and having sex then I guess that's it's um, yeah but the deer's not gonna write a book about it is it. The deer has a deer brain. It, it does what deers do. But do you, you do believe that animals suffer, right? Of course, of course, I do. I mean, in your eyes suffering. But then, but then I would cons- I would counteract and say a lion eating a deer is also deer's suffering. Are you going to stop that too? I agree. I agree. No, no. I, I, you're you're hundred percent right. And I'm not saying I have all the answers. I'm not saying anyone will necessarily ever eliminate suffering. Even maybe a world without suffering is, is slightly worse than a world with a little bit of suffering. I don't know. But these are ideas I just think people should think about. And we're not anywhere near. Uh, we have much bigger fish to fry. <laughs> like we have, yeah. we have uh, well, I think, the estimate of 78 billion animals. Uh, I don't know if it's per year or ever. Wow. I think it's per year, actually. Uh, we kill to consume. And we only do it for taste. We don't need to eat meat. There's no dietary requirement for human beings to eat well, meat. Was, now was, we have, remember we talked about before, before B, but now they have yeah. now we have supplements. Yeah. There's no dietary requirement yeah, for yeah, that. Yeah, I agree. But I we agree. consume seventy eight billion lives. These are lives at the end of the day. Mm. Literally for our, our own the same satisfaction we get from watching a movie. And we also what we also kill animals for that same satisfaction. That's the question I want to ask you. That's the question I want to ask you. If a lab made meat was available as an alternative, yeah. would you eat it? Mm. 100%. Hmm. If it tastes slightly different, say, it's not as tasty as... Remember you and I were talking about milk. I know that you drink mm. regular milk still, and I obviously yeah. only drink soya and uh, almond, yeah. and you're like, it, they do not taste exactly the same. And 
would you would you consider going towards soya milk? Would you consider going? I I have listened to the arguments for and against veganism, and I'm strongly for veganism. Veganism sits with me basically. Now the only thing, no, I, th- I think vegetarianism definitely. I agree with that without a doubt. There's no reason for us to be killing animals. Now, this is being this is actually tested for me in this coronavirus pandemic because my supply of money dried up, and I need to eat protein still, mm-hmm. and. I looked at the vegan burgers and I never realized how expensive they were. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, these burgers are really expensive. And I didn't realize how much I was spending on them. And so I bought a chicken one instead. I'll be honest with you. Okay. And I bought it because I thought, I don't have the money to be blowing money on vegan burgers right now. And it's, it's, almost, it's almost an emergency. What's the cost? Almost, it was like 12 burgers for three pounds. So what's that like? <laughs> do some maths now. Twelve burgers, three pounds. So uh, four pound, twenty five, twenty five p a burger. Yeah, yeah. Or two burgers for like one pound seventy five. Hmm. So there's a big difference. Yeah, I agree with you there. Okay, fine. But what about soya milk? Like, I find that to be a cheaper and uh, a cheaper alternative, and no, it's our only environment. So for me, soya milk, I buy crates of it for less than two pounds. Crates. Let me- let me explain what happens with milk because I only found this out recently. So I didn't understand why is everyone banging out about milk? What's wrong with milk? At the end of the day, the cow, that cow is still alive. Mm-hmm. You're milking it and you carry on with this day in it. Impregnation in it. One cow. Yeah, and, and this is basically what I found out happened. So you get a, you get a female cow, you, you, you impregnate it, um, which I haven't seen how it's done. But in theory, if it's done, I guess like... You know how you know how, no, you know how it's done. They put sperm on a big rod and then they shove the rod in the in the in the vagina of the cow. That's what they do. Do you not know? Yeah. Did you not know this? I, I I know like I like I said, I'm not like an expert on this field, but I'm I just know that either, this is why it's not this why it's not perfect. But anyway, and then the cow invariably gives birth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then when it gives birth, um they kill that animal. They kill the veal, you're right. Yeah, they, they kill the baby. So if the baby's a boy, they kill it. If the baby's a girl, they then they'll, uh, keep, they'll keep it. They keep, they keep it alive so yeah. that it can be another cow for yeah. more milk. Yeah. Now, what they're trying to do is they're trying to do genetic genetic engineering on sperm. Uh, I say they. It's the the people who are animal rights welfare mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. They're trying to say, well, let's get sperm that's more likely to produce female offspring, so we kill less animals. Interesting. And so it's a win for the farmers. The farmers get more money because obviously a free cow pops out. And then they also don't have to kill the males, which means that you're saving time, essentially. True. Um, and also the welfare of the animals improved because you don't have to kill the babies. And mm. so that's one possible improvement to the system. Now, all of this exists purely for us to drink milk rather than soy milk. Yeah. And for me okay like that's something i need to work on essentially because right now essentially by buying milk i'm supporting the death of these baby baby male cows mm. bulls or whatever they call yep literally so what, directly what organic milk? would you drink organic milk organic milk makes no difference uh, as far as i understand organic milk just means and i might be wrong it just means that they fed organic food no, I thought no. They're not just locked in one space. They're able to go around. They are. They they mate. Uh, from this is what I understand that they mate naturally, and that's mm. when they start giving milk. So so they're I in a natural that. environment. In general, these laws require that livestock be allowed to graze on pasture, 
Um, and by the way, let me get back to that. Be fed mm-hmm. organic certified feed and that the animals not be treated with drugs. Now, where I've heard that a lot of cows, they say that they graze uh, free grazing, but they're not always free grazing. They're free graze for a period of time and then they're locked back up. And especially in winter, when it's raining and it's cold, mm-hmm. essentially they spend most of the time in uh, locked indoors, up. Indoors. I don't think that even changes if they're organic or not. The point is, it doesn't really change too much, does it? Uh, the 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 ethics the ethics are still pretty similar. That you're still killing their babies off because fifty percent presumably will be male, and so it's not as vegetarian as I thought it would it was going to be. Now, if we have if I had a cow in my garden, for example, I mm. wouldn't have a problem milking the cow. I don't I don't see what's wrong with that. Do you know what I mean? Even if we were to uh, stimulate it with hormones to 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 get that milk rather than impregnate it. I don't have a problem with that personally, but I do have a problem with killing them. Killing the babies, you mean? Killing any any animal for of for, course for meat. Okay. okay. Now, I de- in an ideal world, if the vegan burgers were even slightly cheaper, then I would exclusively buy the vegan burgers. And I did actually for about probably about a year. I pretty much didn't eat much meat at all. Um, but because of this coronavirus change in dynamic, now I've come back to eating chicken. And when I get my job back, when everything goes back to normal, I'll probably go back to eating, ve- hopefully go back to eating vegan. When you buy but chicken, do you buy organic as well? My wife bought it, so I don't actually know. <laughs> <laughs> death is death at the end of the day. Like, it's right. not a good thing what I'm doing. It's it's kind of a, a relative emergency. Like, I bought some milk, I bought some eggs, for example. Um, and I've got a cough, so I didn't go inside the shop. But my wife bought, uh, I don't think they were free range eggs, they were regular eggs. And it was the only eggs available. And so what do you do in that situation? And a, a strict vegan would say, no, I'm just going to go without it. And mm. maybe I, what I'm trying to say in, in a nutshell is that I need to improve on my, my veganism because I think it's something that everyone should have an element of and everyone should be improving their, their lives towards being the ideal, which is an ideal situation is a, a completely vegan life with no animals suffer because you exist, because your taste buds want certain things. No animals have to die for those True. taste buds, essentially. True, uh, and I think that's a that's a higher standard that we should live towards. And if I had if I had to replicate myself and have another version of myself, definitely one of them would be a vegan advocate. Another one would be a climate change advocate, and the one I am in now is like a medical advocate, I guess. But anyway, Ahmed, I think we should wrap it up. It's almost two hours long now. Yeah. Do you have yeah, any final comments? No, I thank you so much for just having this discussion. I really appreciate it. And I think no. there's an element to, there's a reason why we had this discussion. And I, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you asking me these questions. I appreciate you. Um, I appreciate you just being in my life, to be honest with you. And, oh, thanks, uh, and you I, do. And uh, we should carry on these discussions at, at least once a week, like I said to you. And we can talk about different aspects of society, different aspects of life, and kind of drill down and understand who we are as as human beings. And hopefully anybody who's yeah. listening to this as well can also benefit from this too. So thank you so much for coming and I'll see you in the next one, buddy. Take care. Bye. Bye. This was Vital Educators Podcast by Ahmed Saki. Hope you enjoyed Please follow or subscribe for more content every week.